Welcome to the Faculty Podcast, brought to you by Reformed Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., part of a 50-plus year endeavor to train pastors and other church leaders in the ministry of the gospel in the United States and around the world. My name is Scott Redd. I am President and Professor of Old Testament here, and I'm joined by my colleagues and friends, Dr. Tommy Keene, Prof of New Testament and Academic Dean here, Dr. Lee, Dean of Students, Professor of Old Testament, and Dr. Paul Jean, Senior Pastor at New City Presbyterian Church and Professor of New Testament here on campus. And we're continuing on in this series that we've been doing for the last, and it's probably you know, basically the last couple months mm-hmm. of yeah, working through, yeah, survival in seminary, not just surviving, but really succeeding, enjoying, and get, getting the most out of seminary. Um, I've had a lot of comments from listeners throughout this series. And to be honest, I kind of considered this sort of not fan service, but but student service. And I thought we're going to probably lose some listeners in this because this is really only maybe useful if you're in seminary. And I'm actually finding that a lot of people, both at other seminaries and also just people thinking about study and pursuing God's Word have really benefited from this series, and that's exciting. But a lot of the comments I've had are people saying, hey, you know, you didn't go that far into this area or into that area. And that's where one of our questions comes from today. Um, I received a question from a listener who said, hey, listen, I've been really enjoying this series. Thank you so much for doing it, but I've got a particular question. She is a student of ours, and she has a particular question about this issue that she's noticed in her own studies at RTS, which is, you know, how am I supposed to know how to write all of these different kinds of assignments that I'm getting at RTS? Of course, there's the basic exegetical paper, there's the theological paper, but then professors also have their own kind of idiosyncratic yeah. assignments. You know, I assign a calling paper in the introduction class. We have to analyze and evaluate your calling. Dr. John assigns digests of books. I know Scott Swain uh, mm-hmm. has kind of short theology papers. Dr. Lee has the papers uh, covering the material of the biblical books that he's teaching. And she's asking, how is it that I know what a good digest looks like or a good evangel- uh, you know, evangelistic journal looks like? You know, I'm, I'm coming in. I want to do this well. I want to do this the right way. But there's all these different genres getting thrown at me. How am I supposed to know how to do this well? Mm-hmm. How would you advise our listeners, friends. I mean, I think the first starting point is talk to your professor. This has been a running theme across all of these episodes is that your professor actually does care about you as a person Mm -hmm. for the most part. (laughs) It does care about your success at seminary. You know, we are rooting for you and we, we, no professor wants to read a bad paper. So uh, there's also self-interest involved in that. So feel free to talk to your professor, send them an email. What are you looking for here? They might send you, they might have, you know, templates that you can follow or a sample paper. Um, I actually don't like to give out sample papers because I like to, to leave students free to pursue their own, <laughs> their own interests, but the, most students actually don't like that. So, but, you know, uh, yeah. the, that is out there. Um, and it, I think is your first, your first rung of, uh, of, of help. Yeah, I've always I've noticed that students seem to hold back on talking to profs. I'm not saying that this this questioner did that, but almost like, well, I don't want to bother them. Why would I bug them? They've got a lot going. This kind of thing. And 
um, you know, your profs are there for you. And I'd actually even say in class at the breaks, that's a great time mm. to ask these kinds of questions, you know, because they actually do have something in mind. Like, like you, Tommy, I don't provide sample papers. I have when people ask, but I don't give them out there, partly yeah. because I feel like as soon as I do that, they're going to start Copy. basically copying, not, not in a plagiaristic way, but just basically formatting their whole paper off of that paper, you know, as opposed yeah. to sort of going out and learning on their own how to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what's also helpful is um, <clears throat> like just asking what exactly is the purpose, you know, like um, I, I think, for instance, in my class, when I do the digest, there are a lot of ways that, <clears throat> you know, students can learn. But I have a lot of first year students where um, before I want them to quote unquote, critically engage other thinkers. I want to make sure they they foster the habit of just first really understanding what they're reading because a lot of the material we provide is actually new mm-hmm. and deep. You know, yeah. it's not something you want to be flippant about. So for me, the reason why I do the digest, this is a practice I learned um, in my own seminary training, that it fosters a the habit of learning to listen well and just to digest the material so that it actually becomes integrated into the way you think, you know? And I think that one of our main goals at RTS is to develop good theological and biblical instincts because our students will, you know, inevitably engage gray areas. And so I think when you, whenever you do a paper, you want to ask what skill or purpose does the professor have trusting that uh, they're not trying to keep you busy, but they want you really to get something from this. And w- once you understand, I think, the purpose, it's a little easier to approach the paper. Yeah. Yeah, to jump on that, that that's actually, I think, how I would describe the difference between these different types of papers, the the genre of exegetical paper versus a theological paper. They don't, they're all papers, so they all have to have a thesis. Uh, you have to be proving a point. Um, and th- but they only differ, you know, you need evidence and you need research that there's this great amount of continuity and commonality between all of these different types of papers. The way they differ is in the kind of their purpose, right? The kind of question that that you're asking and trying to find an answer to. So an exegetical paper is asking a exegetical question. You're asking a question that arises from a particular paragraph of scripture and the evidence for which is going to be primarily in the in that paragraph and its surrounding context. Theological paper, you're asking about something theological, you know, that a, a question that arises from all of Scripture. What does all of Scripture teach about a topic? Mm-hmm. And the evidence is going to be much more in, uh, comprehensive, right. uh, at least spread out over yeah. a lot of scriptural passages. So that the, the goal of the paper determines the the kind of paper that it is. I try to, when I'm assigning papers, tell them who the audience is. And that helps me a lot. It was I'm making decisions in my own writing. Um, I'll say, write this like you're writing to an educated layperson, or write this as if you're writing to me. Mm-hmm. In other words, you don't have to explain to me um, why scholars believe that the restoration from exile happened in 536 BC. Like, I don't, you know, we, I, I'm with you. Let's keep going. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, so that, I mean, I'd say pay attention when prof- the professors are teaching you what to do. There's, there's actually one assignment that I have. It's a book report. But I have a very specific way that I want them to do the book report. And I tell them in class, I then look them in the eye and say, listen, because some of you will not do this. 
But I'm telling you, this makes the book report easier. It pays for you to listen to what I'm saying. You know, I'll say it again. Inevitably, at the end of the year, one yep. of those faces I was looking in, who was nodding along and smiling and just mm -hmm. happily saying, I got it, prof. <laughs> we'll write a paper and they write the book report and they won't do it in the way that I asked them to do it. You know, so I'd say when the prof is talking about the paper, don't consider that like um, space out time yep. or when you can check your email. Okay, that's when you want to listen. Profs actually do like to tell you what they expect. It reminds papers. me of this the story that came out over Christmas about the prof who who hid in his syllabus, had like a little paragraph in his syllabus about a $20 bill that he hid on campus and where it was and where he could find yeah. it and the, yeah, the little code. And he goes and checks at the end of the term, and it's still there. Mm -hmm. It's depressing. I had a, he just had a bunch of honest students. I actually had a student do that in a paper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trying to see if I really read the okay. paper. Well, that's inappropriate. And I graded the professors. Them, yes. <laughs> but I graded them down for their cynicism. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I, 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 was, I, was, I was more jaundiced towards their, I had a jaundiced eye toward their paper after that. Well, they did try to see if, if I was actually reading the papers. I, I did the same thing as a student, I, I must confess. Did you? <laughs> I, I remember you telling this story. <laughs> I didn't know for you, For a really? professor who will, who will, who will for a pro You know, I don't even think I want this recorded. But yeah, no, uh, the last assignment was a, a digest type of a thing. And uh, the, the professor, uh, you know, had made a fairly big impact. And so, and I appreciated it. And so my, I knew this is the last thing. So I just wrote at the very end. You know, it was like a page and a half thing. And I mentioned, you know, how, you know, really appreciate everything he's done over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, can we grab coffee to talk more about this? Yeah. And, you know, just respond at yeah. the bottom of the paper. Nothing, yeah, just a nothing. check plus and give right back plus. to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, we might have read it and just not uh, wanted to do breakfast. <laughs> it uh, could be worse than uh, the purple. Uh, yeah. well. No. Peter has well, this great yeah. expression. He's like, I've never considered. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no. I'm a nice guy. We love you, Peter. And thus we end our celebration of Meredith Klein's 100th. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> Klein. It wasn't, it wasn't Klein. Klein. No, okay. That would um, have crushed me. I, I, remember, <laughs> I, re I remember who this was. And <laughs> okay. We should, we, should, okay. Uh, we should move on. We should move on. Uh, okay. I do have a thought, maybe. Yeah. You have a thought, maybe? I do have a thought. <laughs> You know, one thing that, uh, you know, maybe students can do uh, when it comes to papers, if, uh, if professors are open to it, and I don't know if you guys have a policy about this, is maybe if, if they wrote like a, an opening paragraph, gave it to you to kind of take a yeah. look at, yeah. and then not the whole paper. That I'm open to it. I have had, but I have had people give me whole papers. Yeah, that might be a little too much. Yeah. I mean, it's a little. If someone does that, I will say you're on the right track, and I will say nothing more because you don't get a free grade. Right, right. right? And then to improve it. Um, which, by the way, for some people, that's actually how they do papers. You turn in a rough draft. You get a grade on the draft, and then you turn in your final mm -hmm. later. But I don't I – don't, that, that that's, may serve theological writing, but it doesn't serve in the course that I'm teaching usually. Well, let's, let's continue on. So – a few tips. There's obviously a lot more to be said about that. Um, but let's actually continue on to the topic at hand today, which is not just surviving, succeeding, thriving, enjoying getting the most out of seminary while you're there. But how about after you're done with seminary? We have a lot of people who are listening to this who are grads. Uh, and uh, they, they, 
often email me and, and point out, hey, you know, I'm still enjoying the seminary. It's great to stay connected with you guys. And yet, with that said, I'm realizing, okay, so this is a different audience. They've been trained. They got, they got the piece of paper, right? They got the MDiv. They got the MA. They got the certificate. And now they're out there either in ministry or uh, maybe in lay ministry, maybe just doing what they're called to do in life, but in a more theologically formed way. How do we help them, or what advice would you give to them in making the most of your seminary education after the fact? Well, just one quick comment here would be, I think, related to mindset. Um, I would hope that most of our seminary students, their experience would be that, you know, when you're uh, at seminary, you're just trying to drink from, what's the example, like fire hydrant or whatever, like uh, waterfall. And um, I hope that a lot of our students would walk away with a sense of seminary was all about just setting trajectories for future exploration. And with that, I think that's actually really vital because if you don't keep learning, I think that's one of the reasons why people actually leave their churches after a while because they just run out of material or their material is not fresh. Uh, But I think one of the things that can encourage uh, members the most is when they feel like their leaders are continuing to learn. And it actually comes out in the freshness of their teaching, preaching, counseling. That's great. I think I remember hearing a comparison between, you know, a couple of seminaries and that one of the things that I think we do really well is give people a, you know, a deep well. We're not, we're not actually, a lot of what we do is, hey, here's how to survive day one of pastoral ministry. Here's how to do, you know, a wedding. Here's how to do, but a lot, but a big chunk of what we do in the, in the theology departments, in the biblical studies department is give you a storehouse of tools Mm, and knowledge that you can draw on. Um, it, it doesn't seem, it, it, you might have, might have sat through the class and be wondering why the communicatio idiomata matters to you. Um, and then you, year five, you suddenly, in ministry, you get a question from a, a parishioner and suddenly it's, it's yeah. you, you, you find out <laughs> why it matters. And that, I, I think, just tr- there's a p- part of me that wants to say, trust the curriculum here. Like, yeah. it may not be immediately valuable. You may not see the payoff of your seminary education year one year two but be encouraged that you have a deep well to draw from now and and you know where those tools are Um, hopefully you have your notes you have uh, the you 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 know that those tools are out there those skill sets that you developed and, and as Paul said when the time comes you are on the right trajectory to apply it to your to your personal needs and circumstances I would um, encourage our guys to uh, consider coming back, take a class again, <laughs> yeah, uh, and sometimes maybe even retaking the, the, the class that you took before. I mean, w- when I graduated, uh, y- you know, I mean, I was now on the East Coast uh, from a West Coast seminary, and so I couldn't just go back and take classes again, but I had uh, recorded a lot of my classes on those <laughs> cassette tape recorders, if you mm-hmm. remember that. And and uh, I had to do a lot of driving because of ministry, so I just listened to old lectures over and over again. I must have gone through, you know, my entire systematic curriculum like twenty times, mm. and uh, you know, modern church history, you know, ten times, and the biblical studies classes another 
Ten. It's interesting. Um, I, um, you know, I, I uh, got ordained like seven years after graduating, which is I, I don't recommend that. You know, to our guys, if you're going to pursue ordination, do it quick because yeah. everything's fresh yeah, in your that's mind. Good. That's good advice. But, um, but I had gone through these classes so many times, uh, just driving around. So when it came time for ordination, it was still relatively fresh in my head because I'd gone through justification, sanctification, union with Christ. You know, I had gone through the prophets and and everything over and over again. And so, you know, uh, if you can, you know, now that you have, we have resources that are, you know, uh, readily available online, classes that are recorded that you can just listen to as you're driving. Because, you know, we still do a lot of driving. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you jog and you need to listen to something as you're jogging or, you know, whatever. Uh, it just provides another opportunity for you to kind of refresh and do it in a way that's less uh, intense. You know, there's no burden of a paper or an exam. You yeah. can you can literally just learn because you want to learn. And and some of the uh, environment where uh, you know that pressure is there, so it's hard to really appreciate and and celebrate the truths that we teach in our classes. Now they can do that, and um, and maybe some of the terminology and stuff that was discussed earlier that may have been a little lost just because it was all new and fresh. Mm. Now you have the time to go back and now go, oh, that's what he meant by that. Oh, now I get it and so yeah. forth. And and uh, it really, and and in that sense, it's almost like, you know, devotionals, except it's almost worship, it's almost worship, except it's done objectively, a, a yeah. instruction coming to you from day to day. Um, it's solid, Lord, uh, it is, um, it is, uh, it is substantial. It can really fuel not just your own heart and love for the Lord, but also uh, inform your teaching and preaching all the more. And so one thing I'd encourage our guys is, hey, come back. Come back and take a class again if you have time. Yeah. Not, you know, you don't have to do two or three classes. You can just do one. Do an you know, intensive. It's almost like a pastor's retreat if you can do that. And or come visit. I mean, even if, you know, a lot of our students probably are going to leave the area, but we love hearing from our students after they mm. leave these walls. And I love getting like a question, I, you know, I'm preaching on this passage. I, I remember we talked about this in class. I don't remember what we did. You know, I don't remember the conclusion. I love getting those emails. Those are fun. And it's, it's, it does two things. I mean, it, it benef- I think it benefits uh, you, but it also, it, it, it triggers all of those memories too of just seminary and uh, and the 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 stories, the kinds of things that you studied, and it, that helps keep the material fresh. I think yeah. in a way that yeah, yeah. I, the something you guys both said, you know, Tom, you said trust trusting the curriculum, and that was the thing I didn't realize either when I was in seminary. How much thought goes into not just the classes. I mean, this has yeah. been honed down over many years. Um, centuries you know in terms of what what we teach in seminary but then also that these profs are assigning books that they think they know you don't have a lot of money so they're assigning books that will serve you down the road right you know that's the idea of it and i remember i mean looking back on now and i know this informs the way that i teach but looking back on the seminary classes i had i realized even the profs who at the time i thought they don't get it they don't know what i'm going into and then how many time I've, times I've gone back and used the exact books and the class notes from that class because I realized they knew ahead of time <laughs> what I was going to be dealing with. 
And they sometimes, and, and, and that's the thing, because you're in the, the press and you don't know as much, you maybe don't realize the value of some of these doctrines. I just, I mean, actually this happened a couple of years ago. One of our grads did this uh, kind of a, uh, you know, multi-series post on Instagram on sort of like things I didn't learn in seminary. And I think yeah. two of the three things he posted were books that I assigned in class, <laughs> you know, and I thought, all right, well, fair enough. Uh, you know, true confession. Yeah. So here, here's one way you, here's one thing you can do. Avoid the tr- temptation of um, thinking that because you have a book in your library that you read in seminary, that now you've got that book mastered. I regularly go back to the basics, you know, the basics that I was, that I was, uh, the basic books and, and, and curricula, you know, that I was assigned back at seminary and go over it again. There's all kinds of stuff that I miss in there. I go back and read Ritter Boss and Walt Key and, you know, Sinclair Ferguson. And I'll often say, man, I, I even highlighted this paragraph and I missed the better sentence in that paragraph when I was highlighting, you know, I highlighted the wrong side of the paragraph. This is, this is so rich and I missed it, you know? So actually just going back through what you learned, but also recognizing, as you guys said, this is the beginning of your education. You know? Yeah. I mean, right now I'm rereading um, Machen's uh, Christianity and Liberalism since yeah. this is a hundredth year celebration of that publishing of that book. But, you know, I read that in seminary and, I'm kind of rereading it now, and it's and it's great. I mean, there are certain yeah. books I think that just stay with you. They're textbooks that you, you know, you reread uh, over and over again, just because. And and it's it's incredible just how much you still learn after rereading something. Yeah, yeah. I think that goes back to Paul's point. I like the word you use, Paul, of like it's a trajectory. This is the beginning of your studies, but this is a this is foundational. You go you go back to that foundational material. And you appreciate it all the all all the more, yeah. right? It's not that I've, there are things we don't learn in seminary. There are there are skill sets that you can only learn, you know, through the doing of it. But that doesn't mean that those foundational principles weren't weren't useful, and that going back to them can reinforce those skills and are now enriched by your experience. So that you, you'll you'll highlight a different spot because yeah. you realize uh, not because. You were an idiot before, yeah. but because you realized that there's there was more to it. There's more there than I saw, yeah. and it was only the experience of pastoral ministry that allowed me to. It's it's the opposite of how a lot of people think about graduate school. I think you you, you assume unless you come from a highly educated family, you know, you assume like the masters. This is this is about as far as a guy person can go. Yeah, there's a PhD, but that's for like academics. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to get the masters. I'm now going to be a master of this whole topic, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, um, this is where I'll arrive. And hopefully you've realized if you're a grad by now, this is not the arrival point. This is the, the, it's the launching pad. Right. Um, and there's all kinds of analogies for this. You know, in, in area, other areas, you know, if you start working out, you spend the f- first few years learning method, hopefully, stretches, how to do the exercise right. And then that sets the trajectory for everything that you're going to do later on in life. And, and it, in, in many ways, studying the scripture is a skill. Mm-hmm. You need to learn the skills and learn how to write all these papers that we were just talking about. And you'll get better at writing the papers as you write the papers. But seminary is the staging ground. Yeah. For your lifelong education, 
Lord willing. And that's what I love to see. I love to have a student come in from 15 years ago and he shows me a book he's reading that was printed in the last year and he's working with it in light of his theological foundations that he got at RTS. And I'm like, I love that. That's just a sign of health, right? Mm -hmm. That you're still growing, you're still taking on material and, uh, you know, growing in your knowledge of Christ. Yeah, to that end, I think our students would uh, benefit from being very purposeful about their work schedules and maybe even view carving out like two, three hours as an integral part of their work. You know, there are so many books written on this. I think this is written even in like Seven Habits of Highly Successful People that you always have to keep the is it saw sharp or something like that. Yeah. Where <clears throat> and so I, I, you know, it's funny we're talking about this because that's something I've been wondering about over the years, like how many pastors are continuing to study. And when I say that, I think one of the reasons why you see so much growth in seminaries because students are reading material that's above their level. And I yeah. think that, you know, people in ministry should always be reading books that, like we said, go back to some of the foundational stuff, but also are reading materials that like, it's just very difficult for them. And I, I think that has a, uh, very good trickle effect on the rest of their ministry. Yeah. As long as we're talking about further study, post-seminary education, I mean, this is a perfect opportunity to say, listen to the faculty podcast. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. <laughs> I, cutting edge. Cutting edge. It's cutting edge scholarship. I, you know, but to that point, you might say, well, I don't get the chance to read so much. I'm always on the road because of my job or X, Y, Z. First of all, I'd say go get a Kindle, get the Kindle app on your phone. You can read it wherever you are. Kindle has revolutionized for me mm -hmm. reading non-work stuff because you can read it anywhere. Um, but secondly, podcasts are great. Find there, there are podcasts and there are podcasts, right? And find the podcasts. I love podcasts where they interview modern authors of important books. Yeah. Because that's where you hear the author talk about what's most important in their book. If you want to do the TLDR, listen to an hour-long interview of a scholar on something that they've recently turned out. And it saves you time, and yet you get, you get some real engagement and organic engagement in the topic. Um, I love doing that. That's how I keep up with biblical studies stuff that's not in my area of biblical studies. You know, I was telling you the other day, I was listening to the On Script podcast. I'll give a shout out to them. Uh, you know, great sort of broad um, biblical studies uh, podcast. Um, you're not going to agree with everybody who goes on there, but that's not the point of it. It's to listen and to hear new ideas and people dealing with new scholarship. And I thought, that's great. I don't get to read enough on, on the uh, Elephantini site. And that was a really helpful you know, reminder and update on things that are going on in that field. And it does make you relevant. I mean, you know, the uh, the fear could be that what we are doing in the context of the churches or in dialogue is dated 10, 15, or 20 years ago, and things yeah. are constantly moving and developing. Uh, and and a lot of these things are the things that are discussed out there in the public sphere. So to be in tune with what is kind of current and modern and yeah. contemporary does make us part of the larger discussion of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Any particular other than the one you mentioned? Other podcasts that you follow? Oh man, would want to plug so many. Yeah. Um, so on script in terms of biblical studies is one that I found very helpful. Um, actually, one you pointed me to, which I've been enjoying a lot of late, which is the rest of his, his history mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. um, Tom, Tom Holland, Holland yeah. and Dominic. 
can't remember the last name. Yeah, that's it, a great pod. I, I, I wasn't planning on doing this. That's a great podcast in that it's very uh, digestible history. They'll pick a topic and just kind of work through it over a couple yeah. of episodes. And as someone who's not a, a historian of anything later than probably second century <laughs> AD, <laughs> AD, you know, I uh, it's great for me to catch up on those things. Uh, that was kind of a minor for me in college, yeah. so it helps me refresh on all of that. Yeah, church grammar uh, is okay. one um, that that I've been following, where the, a lot of those interviews of New Testament scholars. Yeah. Um, so that's more targeted at my discipline. Um, the Mere Orthodoxy has a podcast. Yeah, I think Mere Fidelity good. is called. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. And another one. Now that you're talking about the two. I think it's Two Testaments, right? Will Kinds mm-hmm. podcast. I found that to be super helpful. Mm. They've got a great, uh, they've got a couple of great episodes, but there's one I listened to recently um, with Scott Jones on Job. Scott Jones down at Covenant College is a good friend and great Old Testament scholar. Um, but yeah, the Two Testaments. Dr. Lee, you got any off the top of your head? I'm not listing all the movie podcasts that I listen no, to. No, no, you guys are hip. <laughs> I need to follow what you guys are following and listen to what you guys are listening to. Blogs are also helpful in yeah, that. That's you right. know, the, not just the the popular level blogs, but it, it helps me actually stay in touch with some of the thoughts and, uh, again, like you said, outside of my discipline. I don't mm-hmm. have to read everything, but uh, you know, even just the headlines help you keep sharp on what's going on and what's important, what people are talking about. Yep. There's a lot of resources, things that I would have dreamed to have at my disposal when I was in seminary. Yeah. Um, actually, as an aside, I will, uh, for those of you who haven't considered this, for seminary professors, it also adds an element of complexity in the classroom because it used to be, if you introduced a topic, hmm. that you were probably the first person they've heard who's an expert on that topic. and. Now, when you introduce a topic, it's possible they've heard three other podcasts mm-hmm. of other people in your field giving their take on that topic. And I'm not saying that's bad. I like it. It raises the level of discourse in the classroom. But you realize you're walking into a much more complicated and crowded yeah. room than you were yeah. <laughs> 20 years ago, you know, because there's just so much else out there. You know, there's so much material. And some, nowadays, I'll hear people ask a question and I'll say, Okay, you have to. Where are you getting that question from? You know, who's the person? Because I don't know which thing you're really asking about. Yeah, that's interesting because you and you also have this ability to be an amateur at everything. Yeah, right. Which, which sometimes, an, an armchair expert. Yes, everything. an armchair expert <laughs> at whatever the top at beekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been listening to uh, you know our old buddy Ben Glad uh, down in Jackson. He just started a new podcast of his own, um, Biblical Theology. Biblical Theology Briefing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's new, so he doesn't That's have right. that many episodes yet. But um, uh, but he does it with a, a friend of his, and and those have been kind of cool in listening to uh, uh, New Testament biblical theology. And and you know Ben, he's very um, uh, innovative and passionate about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'd be a, a, a crime for us to not uh, mention uh, our own uh, colleague Greg Sutanto. Absolutely, and he does a lot. Of, and he does a lot of good things with his uh, Grace in Common podcast. I do listen to a lot of that, mm-hmm. and that's been really that's an excellent helpful. resource. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and uh, he does it with uh, a bunch of his friends, James Eckelkin that we know, Corey Brock, 
uh, Marinus de Young. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and that's been really helpful, at least for me at least, to kind of clarify certain misconstructions that I've had about neo-Calvinism um, and things like that. So that's that's been a lot of fun, and, and, and that's something else that might be good to, for people to listen to. And in the area of blogs, we've got our very own Tommy Keene, uh, Sign and Shadow. So check that out for New Testament hermeneutics and musings about the world. Mm-hmm. I try a, to avoid the word musings. But you, but you say muse a lot, though. I do yeah. I do muse, <laughs> but I try to avoid the word. And you amuse. Um, you've also got LiganDuncan.com. Scott Swain is over at Reformed Blogmatics. Uh, that's a great title. It's witty. Yeah, it's witty. Very winsome. It's witty, savvy. Um, and yours. You got and Scott. com, which you'll have to, to figure out how to spell on your own. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it used to be scottred.com, but I let that lapse and did not knowing <laughs> that my credit card, my old credit card had expired and now uh, some. Is that right? Yeah. I'm some, sure they'll sell it back to you. A, uh, yeah, I think they will. It goes now, I think, to a. Um, a casino or something online <laughs> but so don't go to scottred.com and peter you have a blog as well Re- <laughs> <laughs> i got a Red- these easier names i guess redeeming uh, redeemingchillingworth.com you'll have to explain what that means sometime <laughs> as you said to me it about sudergoy uh, okay well real simple it's based on the redemption of my most favorite uh, literary villain uh, Chillingworth. Chillingworth from the Scarlet Letter, Nathaniel Hawthorne. Mm. And uh, I love him. Great, great villain. And he wins at the end. But even if someone as wicked and evil as Chillingworth is redeemable, that's the idea. That's good. Mm. That's mm. good. Well, I hope these resources help. Uh, the, I think the main headline of this episode is Seminary is the Beginning. It's not the end. It's, it's You haven't arrived. You've just begun. And it's a wonderful journey. We'd love to help you out as much as possible, whether it's through this podcast or auditing classes here at RTS or just continuing on your own personal study. But it's been great having this discussion with you brothers. Look forward to talking again next week. Until then, take care. I mean, on that note, in terms of like the further study, listen to the faculty pod tab. Yeah. I mean, okay, try that again. We'll try that again. <laughs> on that note, on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <sighs>